This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me on the phone is Larry Terman. Larry, uh, we've caught up a little bit before we started recording. I've uh, talked to you about my, my background <laughs> in producing. How you said I'm already a producer. I want to know, early on in your life, was there a, a particular TV show or film that turned you on to entertainment? Well, actually, I was a voracious reader as a teenager, late teenager in the 20s. Uh, I was in the Navy for two years, World War II. I enlisted to avoid being drafted in the Army. And a year into the Navy, I was stationed in San Francisco, in the Western Sea Frontier meeting in an office on Market Street was an apartment in town, pretty cush. The point being, the war ended, and all my uh, need for work diminished in that particular office, but it was right next door to the San Francisco Public Library. So I used to read, read, read all, all the great novels. At any rate, I was interested in that, and uh, after college, I made no plans for a career, unthinking. And uh, then I realized I was interested in stories, literature, theater, I used to, and movies. So luckily, in those days, I saw a one-inch ad in Variety, which was a daily business journal. Uh, and it said simple, it was in one in size, it said, um, experienced agent wanted, uh, box 23. So I wrote a letter to box 23, I have no experience, but I'm full of energy and I'll work cheaply. I can't believe I wrote that, but I did. I got an interview, which led to a dollar a week job. Many fields. The key is getting in in the first place. Once from the inside, then you can show, utilize your ability, or if you have any. And that led to a 40-year career making movies. Any particular novels that you enjoyed reading or rereading? Oh, everything, you know, from Theodore Dreiser to, uh, God knows, to Hemingway to, uh, you know, modern stuff, too. Yeah. Well, uh, what will be in my tombstone, of course, is he produced The Graduate. Well, The Graduate <laughs> from a novel. The Graduate from a first novel that sold maybe... 1,500 copies throughout the world, but it caught my eye, and the rest is, uh, what's a nice way to say, showbiz history. (laughs) I caught lightning in a bottle. You certainly did. Uh, Growing up, what did your father teach you about work ethic? Well, uh, I don't know. Basically, to actually have an ethic, his conscience—he didn't consciously teach me anything. He himself only had an eighth-grade education and sold uh, fabrics, and I did that for actually a couple of years with him. Because unlike today's kids, 
all who have a, a resume and a career plan starting in about the 10th or 11th grade. I had none of that after uh, two years in the Navy and uh, four years, uh, three years of college. I graduated in three. I got Navy credits. At any rate, I had nothing. But uh, luckily, I got to the place where I was always interested in movies, stories, uh, Broadway shows, whatever. I forget your question. Uh, so I answered that ad, and it's like uh, it's like trying on a bunch of shoe sizes and they don't fit, and then you get one that really feels comfy and looks pretty good. Uh, I never used that analogy before, but <laughs> that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. Luck. Yeah, has your... Well, it's not luck, it's not luck. It's uh, choosing to read and answer that one inch ad and to answer with the truth. But it got, I mean, well, what should I say? No, they're looking for experience, and I say no experience. Uh, but I, I got the interview, and the rest is my history. Good for me. Lucky me. Yeah. It, it sounds as though your life has always spoken to you, and you've listened. Which, I'm a little deaf at this point. What, who spoke to me? What oh, spoke to me? <laughs> that your life, your life has always been speaking to you. Your life has been telling you, you know, giving you signs on where to go and what to do, and you listened as a result. My guess is it's no different than anyone else, including you. And not only that, uh, I didn't only get wisdom. I got, you know, I've made some... Uh, mistakes in my life are things that I consider mistakes. Uh, so I, I made a couple of lucky ones or intuitively wise ones uh, for me. Uh, if you want to list my errors of judgment, uh, we'll need a little more time. <laughs> well, do you have, I know in your book, you mentioned a few failures um, and errors right in judgment. Do you have any particular like favorite failure that set you up for a future success? Well, I don't know what sets anyone up for future success. Mm. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Picasso had some sculptures or paintings that he threw away or kept in the back closet. Uh, I just, uh, I'm now an academic running the Stark Producing Program at USC, and I just preach and teach my own value system, which is be in touch with yourself, follow your heart. The, the class that I individually teach within this master program for producers is as much psychological as factual, uh, not that I'm equipped to teach anything psychological, but my point being, the essence of the course I teach is about, uh, was it Socrates? Know thyself. Know, I mean, because my mantra is to all my students, you each have one thing that nobody else on the planet has which is what you think is a good story, what you think is a good, interesting character. Get in touch with that, 
and follow your heart. That will allow you to, first of all, work with passion and enjoyment. And second of all, I don't know what second of all is, but I believe uh, that's the best. That's where I chose to work. I mean, the graduates a good example of uh, I was Benjamin Braddock. I was Dustin Hoffman. No different than a year later, I produced the film The Great White Hope about the first famed black heavyweight boxing champion, Jack Johnson. And I was also Jack Johnson. I was that black guy fighting oppression. So I followed my own advice and Luckily, it worked enough times for me that I had a long career yeah. and a satisfying career. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't get knocked down, hit in the head a lot, but there's a lot of satisfaction uh, for me. And so that's what I preach to my students. I then try to, you know, fulfill it with uh, pragmatic subject matter for them. Although it's pretty hard to teach someone uh, taste in a sense, meaning if you ever wear a tie anymore, if you do, you pick what you like. I mean, right. I can try and buy a tie for you, but uh, being touch, you, you're in touch. That's why you pick a particular tie or shirt or pair of shoes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you talk... Same with... Sorry. No, fire away. You talk about being a starter and a finisher <laughs> as the producer. Is there, uh, has there been times where not finishing has been a better decision than finishing a project in, in any stage of development? Early on, I'm assuming. <laughs> if, if I said that, it, it sounds foreign to my ears. Okay. If I wrote that in my book, so be it. But I, I don't quite know what you're saying. I mean, to, essentially, if you begin, again, my philosophy, the philosophic mantra, if you begin with something you're in touch with emotionally, that you care about a character, a story situation, that's uh, gasoline for the engine to get you to your destination. I mean, there are producers, probably directors, writers too, but we were talking about producers because that was my arena. Mm. Uh, there are producers who have a story or a script. They want to make a new film, but it, it, when, when, as and if they're able to go out for financing, if they get two or three rejections, they might say to themselves, oh my gosh, I guess it's not any good, and they give up on it. The graduates are a good example. Every single studio and financing entity in Hollywood, and New York too, I guess, uh, turned down the graduate. It ain't funny, it ain't good. So I had, God knows what, 15 turndowns. And then six months later, or later or I kept going I went back to this actually I went back to all the people because the company that financed at embassy was a schlocky company and I 
It was rumored that he didn't even have the million dollars that I was asking for at that point in time. So surreptitiously, I started to say, but true, I went back to every studio that turned it down. Now I went back, of course, with Mike Nichols, who unfortunately wasn't yet he wasn't quite yet Mike Nichols, not much of a rep. He'd only, in fact, when I chose him, uh, it was intuitive. He had only done one Broadway play and no movies. But I had a hunch. Uh, I followed my instincts, my taste. I always loved his uh, stand-up humor. At any rate, all those same companies turned me down yet again and my original guy came up with the money. So what point am I trying to make? Yes, you have the inner passion, conviction about the story or the characters you're telling. It uh, maintains your motivational energy to get to the finish line. At least it did. For, all I can talk about is me. It did for me. I thought it was funny but serious. Uh, emotionally, and yet any studio, every studio I would submit, every financing entity I would submit it to, they all said the same thing, what's funny about it? In fact, I have a, ven a vengeance story to tell you. When it was finally all said and done, meaning I got the money, made the movie, and uh, went out for the first preview, we had a preview in New York at the big Lowe's Theater on 72nd, you know, probably a thousand people in the audience, and went like gangbusters. They screamed and hoot and hollered their heads off. And so when the screening's over, it's a perfect preview in terms of satisfaction for me. So I walked out of the theater, and in the lobby, I saw a top executive uh, who had turned it down twice. He was a big executive in the studio. He had turned me down two times in a row, and being petty and smug, I walk up to him, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, not funny, huh? Because, <laughs> you know, the, the audience, you know, is very satisfying to have that kind of vengefulness. <laughs> not a nice quality, but I have it, too. <laughs> do you th you think you need a a piece of that quality in producing? Say it again. Do you think you need a piece of that quality in producing? Having a little bit of a little bit of vengefulness, be it playful. Uh, actually, vengeful is a pernicious e emotion. It was human, but I don't consider it a sterling quality. And I don't know what a producer needs. <laughs> and I don't know what a surgeon what a surgeon needs. Right. Uh, I think what was probably need is to be in touch with oneself, know oneself in terms of uh, what really interests you, what really I don't know satisfies you that you can do without hurting anyone else. Uh, I don't have any answers. I've had some luck making movies and happily lots of satisfaction, too. And not only just because of success. The film I produced, well, I guess I took exec producer credit, immediately after The Graduate, 
was called Pretty Poison with Tony Perkins and Tuesday Will and a, a kid director and his partner producer who had never made a movie before other than a 20-minute short. But I had a hunch and I had enough clout because I had the heat from the graduate to get that finance for a million dollars. And, uh, oh, well, at the graduate, I said it only cost a million. Actually, in those days, it cost a couple, several. Uh, but the point of the story is the film was a commercial disaster called Pretty Poison. A commercial disaster. But I'm as proud of that film as the graduate, even though it was uh, clearly, weirdly esoteric. It deals with matricide, and the wrong person goes to jail for it. But I'd let the audience to laugh. It's a comedy for a half hour, and then matricide. I'm very proud of the movie. A number of critics absolutely loved it. In fact, the New York film critics voted it the best screenplay of the year. And... Uh, but what are you going to do? It was too harsh, too ugly for a regular audience to love. I'm proud of it. I've made that back-to-back -back with The Graduate, and I hate them both equally, although The Graduate was brilliantly executed. Pretty Poison was just sort of C to C plus down the middle. But the story and the performances were so unusual and so strong. But I'm proud still. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to I haven't seen that. I have to see that film. Do you enjoy well, you, sorry? You may hate hate the film, but I love it, but it is so outre, so off center. Yeah. Do, do you enjoy risk taking? Say again, I miss I interrupted you, sorry. Do you enjoy risk taking? No, who likes risk? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> well, 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 the point being, any uh, for me to think about that your question right now is every movie's a risk. Who's going to know if everyone's going to come to see Gone with the Wind or see Pretty Poison? I mean, that's why it's important to. to be in touch with and exercise your own taste because there you get the satisfaction in the making. I mean, success is a wonderful bonus, obviously. It's the hot fudge and, ch and cherry on top of a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> but, uh, but even a bad hot fudge sundae tastes good. So the object of the exercise is to, I suppose, uh, for me, I'm forced to think about it because of your question. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful if you could enjoy your work. I mean, my guess is 2% of the country work at something they enjoy. Most people have to work to put food on the table, pay the rent. So making film content is a uh, blessing, uh, warts and all. Hmm. How do you view happiness? 
how do I view happiness? I'd like to be able to view it as often as I can. <laughs> it, it doesn't quite work that way, I learned after many decades. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in, in terms of um, communication, are there moments in time that, that you witnessed great communication or lessons you've learned about communicating in regards to it? Well, I've never pondered that question, but I don't, I mean, first of all, good communication is a wonderful boon, a wonderful bonus to tell the person you love clearly and effectively that you love that person. And also if you are what's the word, certain desiring something to be able to commute, communicate to those people who can help you, your desires and your skill set if you have one to uh, pursued that occupation. I mean, communication is great. I, I mean, I value that. Actually, what's making a movie? You're trying to communicate some emotions uh, to, an audience, to hopefully an audience. Right. Uh, I don't understand. First of all, most of us don't have a choice. We are who we are. We're well-formed. I'm communicating to you. I seem to have something to say about all of your questions uh, without yeah. prior examination. So I, I don't know if this is effective communication from your point of view running your uh, podcast. Uh, I don't know for mine. I'm just having a conversation trying to answer as honestly and fully and best I can uh, spontaneous uh, at the moment, at each moment. Is there is there a piece of uh, advice or information that you know now that you almost wish you knew starting off and starting out? Uh, I guess it's a good question, but I'm unable to answer it. I mean, nothing specific. I am, I, uh, I'm like the old Popeye mantra, I am what I am, and that's all I am. <laughs> uh, I never, I, I mean, you're asking a philosophical, emotional, psychological question, I do not know how to answer. Okay. I mean, I wish I, I, wish I knew a lot early on, I wish I knew a lot more now, and better than I see, I, I'm still stumbling along through life making emotional mistake after emotional mistake. I hope you're not, but I, I still am. Mm. But isn't that, isn't that what helps us grow? Making those mistakes? Well, I, I like your response, and I would like to hang on to that. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm afraid I'm old now, and so I'm, I'm fully grown, so... Uh, my feelings about that are tinged with sadness. Yeah. Does that, um, in terms of in terms of just switching gears slightly here, with patience, cultivating patience. Do you have anything to speak on that in terms of um, negotiating or just general navigation of the film industry? 
Well, my response is personal, spontaneous, emotional. I wish I had more patience. My impatience has harmed me along the way. Mm. But finding that finding that proper balance, I guess there's no proper balance, is there? You just do and learn. Well, you make it sound like one has conscious control over his or her patience or impatience. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel I ever had that. I generally am too impatient, and once in a while it works out. Right. Um, but the equal or greater number of times it has not worked out. Yeah, uh, and we are. We you know we're pretty well formed early on by our parents and life experiences. I, I don't. I've never thought about it in terms of your question. I don't think I am able to control whether I'm patient or impatient in any particular circumstance. It, it happens, and then it's done. I was too impatient. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's or, a great answer. Well, I, I don't have the skill or, or the nature. To control my patients, I've t- too often said or done something impatiently that I regret subsequently, up to and including yesterday and today. Yeah. And I'm old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you What do you love about about teaching? You know, working at USC versus producing. I mean, they're both, I guess, in a way of producing. Um, you know, <laughs> and education for students. But what do you what do you love about academia, so to speak? No, I, I pretty much love all of it. But I am look. I didn't pursue academia. I got invited to my present uh, steward, stewardship of uh, this master producing program at USA over the transom. I wasn't sure I wanted to even do it. I was still making movies. Indeed, I made movies that, like the first five, ten years I was doing this job, but I bet they're well over 20. Um, I tried it. There's something, first of all, it allowed me to look at what I myself felt what my values were and attitude is towards telling stories, towards making content, and towards interacting with young people, trying to impart consciously but unconsciously my own values, my own taste, my own judgment. So it allowed me to write that book, for example. I, 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 by the way, I didn't initiate that. The uh, New York Times did a big interview with me after the graduate because, you know, I was hot stuff then, flavor of the year. Uh, yeah. And uh, I was invited by a book agent to write the book, and I found it damn hard. 
uh, damned hard because my ego was so big, I insisted on writing every word myself. <laughs> most people, well, uh, it's a, that's an ego thing. Yeah. I mean, most, most of the books you read from the even the biggest time people, like my old friends uh, David Walper, Ben Boy, still in the game, most of them have a ghostwriter, not even a ghost, because they give it will say so-and-so book by David Walker or by Metavoy, both very bright, ambitious, successful guys. But then in type about one-eighth that size at the bottom, it says, along with, they mention, the, they credit the name of the guy, the person who really wrote the book. But my ego is bigger than that. I had to write every word, so I bitched my way through it. But I'm proud of it because anywhere, first of all, it forced me to examine my own ethos, my own values. But secondly, anywhere I pick up that book, anywhere I, and I turn to any page, damn it, it sounds like me because it is me writing every word about my thoughts and my feelings. I'm giving you long answers. Sorry. I love it. I, I'm loving every one of these answers. And thank you for being so willing to expand at length on my questions. I really well, appreciate it. Well, I'm learning. First of all, I'm complimented you want me, me. And also, I continue in this conversation to learn what I think, what I feel. Yeah. You're, you're so modest, Larry. Well, I, like everyone, I probably hiding some stuff too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the book, the book, though. I want to be, I want to be honest, and I'm trying to be honest. Otherwise, what's the point of this? Exactly. Well, exactly. But honest and modest, and the book is so fantastic. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I could get a, re I got a real sense of who you are because you wrote it. Did that take an insane amount of discipline? No, I'm I'm very proud of it. I bitched like hell doing it, and again, that was a big deal. Uh, it's going to be every word mine, not some ghostwriter. So uh, I'm proud of it. In fact, all of it, it took me like uh, well over a year to write it, about a year and a half, because I was so busy at USC. I mostly did it over two summers. But all that time dealing with this New York book agent who I loved, her name was Betsy Lerner, uh, every time we talked on the phone or would send an email, I referred to the book as that damn thing, that <laughs> damn thing. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm smiling because I'm very proud of it. Everything I know is in that book. Are you, are you surprised at where life has taken you? I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a contemplative person. Yeah. So I never thought about it in those terms. But I can answer that in that life has taken me. That, well, that's the real nub of it. I've taken life. Life hasn't taken me. Yeah. And I have... Uh, I feel very fortunate, blessed in a lot of external directions, meaning 
a wonderful career that also had some success and a long life. I'm very old now, but at the same time, but concomitantly, I have enormous regrets of some decisions I made, some behavior I've exhibited. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel, I, my brain tells me I'm lucky because that's the object of reality. But emotionally, I, I'm tinged with sadness and regret. Yeah. Yet. I have I have three sons, likely your age, give or take, and uh, I have enormous regrets how, at various times, I've been or not been with them to them as a father. Yeah. This is better. Uh, I've tried therapy a couple of times unsuccessfully. This proves to be much better for me. And if it's possible, I would love you to send me a tape of what I've said. Oh, definitely. I and, will. Yeah. What I am saying, I would love to have that and hear myself and reflect because I am, you know, you're a faceless person to me. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to be and am being as candid introspective and honest as I can. Therefore, I think it would be valuable for me to hear it and maybe even this late stage learn from it. You do you have you always had the thoughts of growing? There's always something new to learn. There's always a way to grow. I never I wish I thought I never did. Cause it just because it sounds like it. <laughs> I was too much uh, here and now. Yeah. Okay. Still am. Uh, although now I am. <laughs> it's a very sad, weak chuckle. But now I am trying to learn and grow, and uh, not a lot of time left. Well, I I don't know if it's ever too late to keep growing. Well, I hope you're right, and I'm uh, operating on that very premise, but it's pretty damn hard yeah yeah have you for me, for me right for me it's hard right i am willing to turn to change gears have you read any books lately that you've loved or in love with well the the problem is i have less uh, i don't know what the english word is for this life the ability to have repose and read. I, these days, I read much more, many more periodicals. Uh, the New Yorker, the New York Review of Books. I'm addicted to the New York Times and the London British Financial Times. So uh, I, I pick, I, for example, uh, I, I really can't read fiction anymore. It's a sign of age or my state of mind. Uh, so I, I read, uh, I do read biography, whether it's uh, from Leonard Bernstein's daughter or whoever. I, there are 
biographies that interest me, but I, I don't have the same repose I used to have. Yeah. Do you read, uh, are you reading them online or do you still have the paper, paper copies? I'm an old fashioned guy. I, <laughs> I don't read anything online. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, read, I, I read the news online and I'm a non-techie. I missed that. Uh, on the other hand, I live and die on my computer. I mean, I'm on email all the time and all, all kinds of things, but I'm a naif. I, I can do limited stuff on my computer, and yet I may be sitting there six hours a day at the least. Yeah, and you're still, I mean, you're still going so strong, especially with um, upcoming, you know, the next year of the Peter Stark producing program. Are you, do you have, well, oh, sorry, yes. You keep going. No, 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 I, I definitely want to hear, uh, in terms of like, you know, preparing for the upcoming year, you know, the next group. Well, pre preparing vigorously out of necessity. The, the problem, is, the problem is delivery of information and by what means. Yeah. What my motor, my my ethos, my modus operandi, my values, what I'm trying to impart to the students does not change at all. But physically, getting it to the students, getting students to get to, I have a large international contingent. Many of them can't even get an appointment to get a visa to come to America. So suddenly. 90% of it's going to be Zoom teaching. I it, That can be valuable, but it ain't quite the same thing. And, uh, but that's because I'm a, a techie naif. I'm not quite sophisticated enough yet, although I'm doing all that. But I need a little help, and I do get it. Uh, my passion is the same, and it could be... Uh, a good enough experience, but it costs a heck of a lot of money, and there's a lot of peripheral benefits to in-person as opposed to uh, on the computer. Uh, well, I'll find out. I'm going to be doing it for the first time. <laughs> and is that going to be for the foreseeable future? Well, it looks like it. I mean, uh, you know, as I know, but from all my reading, it's going to have a profound effect on uh, higher education. Forget higher. On all education, it's going to have a profound effect. It's not the same emotional body heat and the same... Uh, I'm thinking. I haven't totally experienced it yet. I'm just putting my uh, foot in the water at the moment. But uh, all the reading I do, even in the New York Times every week, it's like it's going to change so many things in so many ways within our total culture, the worldwide culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm housebound like most everyone. And uh, although where I usually have the summer quite easy, other than maybe finding a new teacher or adding a new course, 
now I'm busy three quarters of every day just trying to keep uh, the boat afloat and the car moving forward. There's a lot of physical detail and even the fact of uh, six foot spacing, which is mandatory, there's not even enough classrooms now. Yeah. I mean, so many classrooms are, they can't even take care of the students they have enrolled. At any rate, that's not my problem, fortunately, <laughs> but it, 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 but it uh, affects what I do and how I do. My problem is the same. How do I impart what I think is the best necessary pragmatic information and them as I hope and try to do individually to the own satisfying path towards creativity and expressing their values and being in touch with them. Yeah. I, I teach, uh, my teaching is much less factual. The program I run, uh, I'm not teaching them uh, how to shoot the camera or how to record the sound. I'm trying to teach them everything up to and including the first day of photography. What did they decide to do? Why did they why are they deciding to do it? How can they best accomplish it? Do they have a point of view, a message, a value they want to impart? And that of course comes in again in the making, but that's in the hands mostly of the director and the casting choices one and script choices one has already made. Do you see yourself in the students you teach? Uh, I never even I never entertained that question. Okay. So, but essentially, the answer is no. I don't. Mm. They're all. I, I take twenty-four students each year out of like. 200 applicants, and I look for integrity, for ambition, for intelligence, for uh, human humanity, human values, uh, but I don't see myself there. I'm past it, and I've, yeah, I, I, no, I don't. Okay. I don't, although, interestingly, all my academic experience was focused on uh, the humanities, on literature, on journalism, on expression. Yeah. And uh, the benefit I personally also get from academia is I focus on and thereby learn what my own values are and my own interests. To a greater degree, I must have had a lot of that unconsciously, but now it's more conscious, which enables me to talk to you, to answer questions uh, candidly without saying I got a ponder. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a great, you're, you're bringing up a really great point. That's, um, that's it's well said. <laughs> Is there anything else? that you would like to add before we wrap up here? Yes, I'd like you to be sure to send me uh, a recording, a cassette, or anything of what I said, sure. because uh, I would like to hear 
quietly and alone what I said because every answer was as honest as I felt and or knew. And therefore, it will be instructive to me to hear my own values, my own opinions. And frankly, I'd like to share it with my three sons who are probably your age or a touch, a touch older even. I'm impressed with your own entrepreneurship starting this podcast. I mean, it must be very sad, must be involving, must be satisfying. Hopefully it'll enough of your bills also and build. You know, you're building something here. But thank you, so yes, so thank you for that. I, I enjoyed this. It allows, first of all, your questions are good because they're diverse, and they're good selfishly because they force me to reflect on what I actually think. So it's like uh, free therapy for me. <laughs> Which is that can be a great thing, and I appreciate you too for reflecting. And sharing that, because I know the listeners will grow with something you said along somewhere in our conversation. There's always something that resonates. Well, good. I'm pleased to hear that. I also have an ego, of course. And uh, you proved to be very easy to talk to. I mean, nothing was still put in this sort of conversation, a couple of guys talking. Yeah, just a couple of guys talking. Larry... Thank you for doing this. Thank you for chatting with me. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 